Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to all of our viewers and a special salam to our guest today, Sheikh Zahid. How are you today? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah. How about you? Alhamdulillah. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So all of our viewers today, Sheikh Zahid is a teacher of mine and many other scholars, um, many other students all throughout the United States. Um, Sheikh Zahid, mashallah, he studied not only in Pakistan, but he's also studied in uh, Medina University for an extensive amount of time. Alhamdulillah, he's a very well-educated scholar in many, many different matters. He's been a khatib for a long time. And alhamdulillah, overall, you know, his wisdom is way beyond anything I have. Um, and alhamdulillah, he operates Koba Academy in Houston, Texas. They have a health uh, department, and they also have a full-time school, which goes from K to 8, if I'm not mistaken. And alhamdulillah, he's running a good program. They started from scratch. A few years ago, their masjid and school was set on fire um, by a man. And alhamdulillah, they've been able to recover to a certain extent. But, you know, continue to remember them in your du'as and also at the same time, uh, offer as much support as you can for them. They're alhamdulillah doing good work. Um, so, Sheikh Zaid, anything else I've left out? Uh, not really. Alhamdulillah. Assalatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> رب أدخلني مدخل صدق وأخرجني مخرج صدق واجعل لي من لدنك سلطانا نصيرا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي I to Asad for inviting me for this I I don't see myself be at this spot but if you thought so Alhamdulillah I ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى to uh, to give me tawfiq to say something which is beneficial for people. I mean, I mean. As a matter of fact, uh, it was my dream from uh, from maybe from my um, uh, you know young age when I was uh, studying in Saudi Arabia. You know, as you know that I have uh, uh, Islamic law from Medina University, and uh, but before I went over there, I memorized Quran in Pakistan and went to Madrasa and uh, uh, stayed with the people and uh, learned uh, so many things and uh, came to my mind something very different, you know, about um, uh, people, children, children who are being put to memorize Quran in the Madrasas and the situation of these kids and uh, where... Uh, uh, you know, uh, what is their background and uh, family background and all these things. So as a matter of fact, uh, you know, what I saw, all the left, leftover, basically th those children who cannot do anything in their life, they used to put them in the madrasa. And madrasa, and, and if you go to the history, you see uh, a lot of things we can talk about, but... Uh, uh, the difference between uh, schools and madrasa, you know, I was always against it. You know, I went to madrasa and school at the same time from morning till evening because I did not want to miss any of these things. Both things, for me, they were very important. 
And uh, when I came to America after I graduated, of course, uh, well, then I went to Pakistan. I stayed there for a little while. Then I stayed in New York. And my dream was there also to, uh, to establish something where children can get both educations. You know, it's not only they become uh, scholars of deen only, but they can be scholars of deen at the same time. They understand Quran, the message of the Quran, and at the same time, they are professionals also. And there are several reasons for that, and uh, we can go to the details of it if we need to some, some other times. So having said that, you know, I had that in my mind, and I talked to my uh, uh, employer, you know, who I was working with, uh, and it was not easy. We are talking about uh, early 90s at that time. And uh, it, it was difficult for people to understand my concept. How can these things go together? And then I moved to um, Atlanta, where uh, you came also. I don't know what year you joined us. What, what, what year you joined us? I came in December of 2003. So this year I'm going to know you 17 years. Yeah, that was about uh, four plus seven, seven, three, seven years later then I came to uh, Atlanta. And when I came there, I thought there a little bit more freedom in my, uh, you know, job uh, designation. And uh, I was director of the room and uh, we had a full-fledged school and uh, you might have uh, learned about it because when you when you joined us uh, the program was only uh, we were going calvert at that time right but before that when i joined them it was uh, uh, i convinced the board that we have to bring both things together darul nur school and darul nur school they were you know uh, they were collaborating at that time our children from darul nur they used to go to school half a day and then later on they would come and join darul nur but it did not work because the management of these two different uh, institutes was different. You know, over there we had a very uh, respectful sister, mashallah, she was running the show and in a best manner. And our uh, Darulum was, uh, you know, I was director of that and uh, I was running it here. But there were some problems. Sometimes, you know, there was a, there's a clash because the Darul Nur school had um, different vision. And we had a different vision. So we worked on it for about, about two years and uh, uh, we didn't go further. Then we had to go back to Calvert, you know, uh, homeschooling and all these things. And we kept on moving forward until I stayed there. Then I moved to Houston. So that was the time when I can, uh, you know, I can work on my dream. And I had that in my mind from the beginning. So Alhamdulillah, I started it. And uh, till last year, we had over 100 students, mashallah. And we started with uh, 1,500 square feet. And today, Alhamdulillah, we have school only, which is 10,000 square feet. And altogether, this property is about 16,000 square feet covered area, which is serving the community. Uh, children are coming from uh, kindergarten to eighth grade, and from the beginning, you know, we start teaching them Quran. And I believe that you know, Quran is not only recitation of the Quran. We have to understand the message of the Quran. So uh, I decided that all the children, not only that, they have to be the best reciters. You know, 
not only that, but they have to understand the message of it. So what we did is, you know, every children, uh, all, all the children, they have to learn translation. And we try to bring their, you know, vocabulary, level of vocabulary high so they can understand or memorize the meaning of all those words which are used in Quran. And uh, we had about um, uh, three years uh, of uh, this building last year, and we were doing very good. But this pandemic came, and of course, uh, whenever there is something comes uh, so comes from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, always there is some wisdom behind it, you know. And I have seen with my own eyes when we had a fire here, you know, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala how He brought from a dead a life, you know. Yeah. If that fire was not there, we wouldn't be where we are. Yeah. So the way we did, mashallah, we uh, our efforts were appreciated. Uh, you know, a lot of people supported us, and alhamdulillah, uh, today we are here in Koba uh, Academy. We made both things equally important for all the children, boys and girls, and they are learning the message of Quran, memorizing many hadith. You know that it is all made curriculum is made for that so uh, I'm, I'm thankful to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala credit 100 percent goes to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give me tawfiq to to uh, to fulfill this uh, beautiful obligation which is put by allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask all of you also to make dua that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses all of us for his deen and give us ikhlas i mean i mean without a doubt um, so one of one of the reasons I started this program or the show is there's obviously like we have a lack of uh, Islamic schools. We have a lack of madrasas altogether. And the institute you have, which puts both together, we are very far and few in between, if we have any, where they put emphasis on Quran and they put emphasis on education at the same time. Um, you don't find too many. And the reason I put this program together is to bring experts in their fields so people can get from a very halal and very Islamic perspective, they're able to understand and learn things. Um, and so I, I spoke with you a few days ago and I also said that inshallah in the future, I would like for you to come on regularly to be able to inspire us and give us the proper knowledge and education in Islamic matters. Um, and inshallah we'll talk about that more, but you know, I would really love for Sheikh Zayed Saab to come on more and more often because he's been a very important part in the life of myself and many others. But the topic today we're going to be discussing is uh, the topic of rape and how it, it causes damage and all the damage it does all throughout society. And uh, yes. my son is here. Um, so <laughs> we're we're going to be talking about rape. And so Sheikh Zaid Saab, can you can you shed some light on what is the Basically, why is rape seen as so bad in society in general, but also from an Islamic perspective, why it's such a bad thing in society? Just a general question. You know, uh, as what your question is concerned, why is that bad? Bad thing is bad, you know, bad is bad. And uh, what is said by the Prophet, bad, it is definitely bad. You said something? No, no, my son was saying something. Ah. So uh, the good and bad is always defined by Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and these both things to know good and bad is put in ourselves. 
فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا وَقَدْ خَابَ مَنْ دَسَّاهَا So these وَهَدَيْنَاهُمْ مَجْدَيْنَ The nature of human, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put uh, good things in it. He understands. You know, that's why ulama say that, you know, the best mufti is your heart. You know, a lot of people sometimes go to different muftis to get fatwa in the favor of what they, what they want to hear. You know, what, yeah. what they want to say, you know, what, what you want, what, what they want to do. And that reminds me of a story of, uh, you know, one of our, uh, you, you know him also, one of a very beautiful brother. You know, he came and asked me a question about talaq, you know, and uh, I gave him the answer. And it was not uh, something he wanted, you know. So he went to seven other people and asked the same question. And then he came back to me. He said, uh, I asked seven people and five of them answered something different than you answered. So I'm going to follow five of them because they are more than three and uh, they were all together eight. So that's the democracy, you know. That's how, you know, this is the level of uh, our understanding of the deed is, you know. Uh, Anything bad, you know, uh, the problem with us is that we have uh, left our deen, you know, and all around us is nothing but vulgarity. You know, when you look at Islam, the beauty of the Islam is that it does not come and say, you know, right there, finish it. No, you cannot do it. You know, Rasulullah sallallahu trained his people for so many years before different ahkam of uh, sharia came and were implemented in, in, in society and uh, the best example of that is uh, you know uh, liquor you know la taqrabu salata wa antum sukara but before that you know yasalunaka an al-khamri wal maisir qul fihi ma ithmun kabirun wa manafi'u lin nas you are hafiz you know these this ayah these yes. people they come and ask you what is uh, hukm of sharia about uh, Liquor. So what the answer is? There are good things also in it. The most of it is bad, but there are some good things also. But next stage is You know. And the third stage, when these people were trained, they understand that now we have to listen to what the Prophet is ordering us. You know, they were ready for it. So that I came. So is the main key, you know, where the problem starts from. You see that, uh, you know, if there is poverty, if there is a person who goes and steals something from someone, you know, you have to look at the situation. That person has made things for him halal. At this position, he is he is stealing from somewhere. Can you cut his hand? Uh, no, it's not. You know, you have to feed people. It is requirement it, of the Islamic government that they provide food to the people, you know. Look at the justice brought by Umar ibn Khattab, and 
you know, he, he did work on it for years and years. But there was another another person who came later on who is called Fifth Khalifa Rashid. You know? You know who is that, right? Omar ibn Abdul Aziz, You know, we call him although he's not a Sahabi, because such a highest, uh, you know, status he has gotten, uh, the reason for that was, you know, in two years only. He lived only two years. Can you believe? Two years. And the justice was brought into the whole society. You know, he used to rule more than more than half of the world. But there were no people left without food. Without There were no people who can accept zakat because there was so much zakat. So when you start implementing the sharia of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam and start following the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, you see the barakah. So what I'm trying to say here is Islam, what Islam does first is control the environment in which these things take place, they stop it. You know, the order of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We were addressed, you know, uh, who are the addressees of this ayah before women even? And you see the, here in this ayah, uh, the addressees are men, and then later on, women separately. That tells us how important it is for all of us, men and women, male and female, to keep our eyes lower. You know, so Saddu Zara'ir is the main thing where people don't see those things which can excite them, which can motivate them, which can bring them to, the, uh, to that point where they look for something which is unlawful and un unallowed by, by, by the Sharia of Muhammad Rasulullah. So that's how we, we need to look at the things. You see around us, you know, everything is inviting. Everything is inviting to bad things. And nowadays, mashallah, uh, on top of all that social media. Yeah. You know, this is uh, very dangerous. You know, you have in your hands everything. It, it used to be you have a VCR. <laughs> you, you have yeah. to have house. Now everything is in your hand, man. 24-7. There's nothing which can stop you. Nobody knows what you're doing. You know, that's why there's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam, Being Allah's conscious in company of people is much easier than being alone. Because when you are alone, you know that there's nobody watching you. But if nobody is watching you, who is watching you? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <laughs> You know, that reminds me of that lady also who, uh, when Umar came at night and had that woman, you know, you know, Abdullah, uh, you know, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz anh, wife was, uh, you know, the daughter of that girl who was uh, telling her mom at that time that, mom, if Umar is not watching us, Amirul Mu'minin is not watching us, Allah is watching us. Yeah. Allah is watching us. And Umar radiallahu ta'ala when he heard that, he decided that he will ask his son 
to get married with this girl. You know? So that's how it is. I hope you understand. When when we stop the doors, it becomes easier for people to, to practice. Uh, but it does not mean that if the doors are open, uh, these are all inviting. There is uh, something called, you know, uh, your your apple, your brain. You know why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given us this. He has given us, shown us bad and good. So if we follow the bad path and you know, people never think about, uh, you know, others as if they are. Like, uh, you know, the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu ta'ala alayhi sallam, لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى يُحِبَّ لِيَخِيهِ مَا يُحِبُّ لِنَفْسِهِ It's a very famous hadith. You know, when it comes to give, the measurement is different. When it comes to take, the measurement is different. Those who are doing all these bad things, if it comes to them, if it is done to his sister or his daughter or his family, will he be allowing it? Of course not. And that is the treatment given by the Prophet to a Sahabi who came and asked the Prophet that if he can allow him to commit a zina. What the Prophet said to him, do you want it, uh, you know, to, to to take place with your sister? You know, he said, no. How about your daughter? No. Your wife? No. Your mother? No. So how can you think about it? But uh, nobody is there to let people know these things. You know, if you look at uh, the society where we grew up all our, uh, you know, childhood, we never heard anything about the morals, you know, akhlaq. Akhlaq as if, you know, it is it is left completely as, as if it has no importance at all. Whatever the de deen is, what is deen? You keep on praying day and night. You know, if you are praying and you are fasting and you do all the badmashi of the word, it does not matter. Sorry to say this word here. This is what it is. You know, you complete your umrahs every year. You go to uh, hajj every year. And there are people who are dying and uh, suffering. They don't have food to eat. There is nothing they can, uh, you know, they can be fed. But what I need to do, I need to go Umrah. There's nothing wrong with it. That's fine. But after I come back, I am the most corrupt in the society because I think that this is business. No. What the, the teaching of Sharia is that two-thirds of the whole deen is Muhammad, the dealings, your business, you know, you treat others, you know. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi was asked by the Sahabi. He said, Ya Rasulullah, tell us who is the best among us. Who is the best among us? And you know, there, there, there are uh, some of the pillars in, in Medina, there are descriptions written on top of these pillars. Uh, you know, Istawarat Abu Lubaba. There was a Sahabi Abu Baba who tied himself, you know, so he can pray all night. And it is not only him. There were so many people. These were uh, the students of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu ta'ala alayhi sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu ta'ala alayhi sallam, it was, of course, obligatory on him. Ya ayuhal muzzammil, qumil layla illa qalila. Nisrahu abin qasmin hu qalila. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
and made obligatory on him to pray at night. But how there were so many Sahaba who used to stay up at night, most of it, and they used to pray. There were so many of them who used to fast. You know, the Prophet to that extent that the Prophet stopped them from doing that. They said, you cannot do that. You should not do that. And there is a Sahabi who says that I asked the Prophet to permit me to fast every day. Rasulullah said, no, twice a week is good enough. And finally, he says that the Prophet allowed me to do fasting of Dawud and that was that was missing one day and fasting the other day. And I wish that in, in, in old age, he says that I wish that I would I would have heard the advice of the Prophet You know, I should have listened to the uh, advice of the Prophet and should not have done this. So that was Sahaba they are doing all the ibadat, everything, you know, there was, you know, Ali ibn Abi Talib used to go just, just to, uh, you know, he, he would work uh, as a labor somewhere, do something uh, extraordinary to earn some money and bring it and donate it. Sadaqah. So that is the level of these people. And the Prophet when he was asked, you know, who is the best? He did not mention any of these Sahaba who were extremely doing ibadat. He said, One little, you know, sentence. The best of you is who is beneficial to others. He is the best person. You know, no. if we start looking at the teachings of Muhammad and the guidelines given by Sharia of the Prophet there will be no room for all these nonsense. May Allah give us the need to do so. So what, one of the things which we discussed beforehand was how, you know, it just doesn't happen, right? it just doesn't occur. There's a lot of things that go into it, people, their mindset, um, possibly watching pornographic material, sorts of social media avenues. Um, these, you know, these are basically the test of the nafs. And these people, their nafs are being tested, but they're not able to overcome it. And they, you know, this is a generalization to an extent, but they, they eventually, these steps, they turn to rape. And how can, you know, these things be prevented? Like what, what are the safeguards our religion puts into place? I know you shed some light on it, but if you could just on those specific ideologies or ways how it's happening. Actually, uh, the one one thing is that preventions. You know, okay. Preventions are that you train people, you know. But when it takes place and it comes to the knowledge of the authorities and the, the punishment is not implemented and people are left, people, they can escape. There are ways that can, they can run away, uh, they, they can escape and they, are, uh, they can be uh, uh, exempted from... Uh, you know the punishment uh, to be implemented on them that is the main reason you know you see how many days if you talk about pakistan and uh, the rape which was uh, uh, they were talking about it in the media and everywhere about 15 20 days ago i think 3 weeks 4 weeks they just caught this person and they arrested him how many days it took and uh, i i know and you know there are so many people who commit these crimes and there, there are ways 
they can escape. They hire a, a best lawyer because there are loopholes in the laws, in 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 the law, uh, in the constitution, in you know, rules and uh, you know these things made by people. There are loopholes, and they uh, they protect them. When people are left without punishments for committing their crimes, that definitely it increases, and that's what is happening over there. And there is a. a I don't know. Maybe uh, you know. Maybe I'm wrong or right. Uh, in our media, they put too much, you know, these things in in front of people. Also, it discussed all the details. It, it doesn't happen in other countries. Of course, it happens in many other countries. And if you look at the statics, statistics, you know, there are some uh, some some uh, you know, civilized countries where it happens even even more than. Uh, you know, a lot of our uh, our countries like uh, Pakistan and all these places, but it's not it's not discussed the way it is discussed in our media. Sensationalism. Yeah, and if you look at the only only one country which has implemented a little part of the deen is Saudi Arabia. The crime rate and rape and all these things you don't even find it over there. You know. <coughs> It's not implemented. Sharia is not implemented. I'm not saying that you know they are. They have implemented the whole Sharia, but some part of the Deen is you know some of the hudud which are implemented over there, and our people sometimes they talk in in Pakistan against uh, uh, the punishments and hudud. They said that they are un uh, unhuman. What are you talking about? You know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the one who is creator uh, for this human for this. Uh, uh, creation, so he knows how to treat this, cre uh, this creation of his, this makhluk. Well, I mean, I mean, to that point, it's very, it's very funny where the person who gets raped, uh, what happens to them is inhumane beyond imagination. But if somebody gets punished to, you know, a severe extent, that's inhumane. Inhumane, yes. That's what I'm saying. When he kills, that's not. But when he is being killed, that it, it becomes human. What is this nonsense? Yeah. Um, so so one of the things about it was um, people, they like to blame women for either dressing up or a certain way they're dressed or for certain adornments or, how you know, in America, in Europe, Africa, Pakistan, wherever you go, people like to blame the women. But rape just doesn't happen to women. It happens to men. It happens to boys. It happens to little girls. Um, so how can we stop blaming people for the certain way they dress and look at the person who's doing the actual crime? You know, uh, in my opinion, these things definitely, you know, excite people. They, they, these things, uh, you know, invite people. There's, there's no doubt in it. That's why, you know, I, I, I said in the beginning, Saddul Zara'i and Saddul about closing the doors of evil is very important, but it does not give anybody any right to do this. Yeah. You know, there is no education. There is no education. People have not understood the seriousness of these things. You know, like, you know, a Muslim, you know, one thing is a rape, a woman, you know, and then you talk about Levat also. You know, that's crime on another crime. And then with, with the children, come on, you know, where our society is going. The problem is that when you talk to that person also, 
he will give you a long list of things which are uh, which are found bad in the society you know when you talk about, to that person also you know because he thinks that he he ha he, he he can justify what he's doing you know that's what that's how the people are so there is no education we have to have some sort of mechanism where people understand the seriousness of people being around them some things you know you see here there, there is benefit of it you know and we most of us we lived in um, uh, in the society where uh, there were some uh, non muslims uh, some other uh, religious people uh, who have looked at things from a different angle so uh, you know haya is you know sharam haya we call it sharam haya there is haya and sharam which is part of the deen you know shame but to that extent that we do not talk to our children about about the things which can happen to them we think that oh man i cannot i cannot talk to my my son like that i cannot talk to my daughter like that no so who is going to educate them yeah you know a lot of times these things you know it it does not happen you know at once it takes long time you know if the child is not understanding he has he is not being educated you know what can happen so this is what happens so there is the lack of education uh, for adults at the same time you know there are some measurements we need to take uh, where we can educate our children also you know for uh, for the things which are around them and how to take care of them how to how to protect them and all these things are very important also so so basically we need to have a, a sort of a islamic sex education curriculum there, there is that's what i'm saying that yeah. you know, i don't know because uh, in the west in the western america i know going to public school sex education here basically they teach you how to have sex but just to make sure you know yeah you know maybe there you can you can um, uh, you can uh, differ with it with its methodology or mm -hmm. content uh, you know but uh, when you look at it and uh, uh, you look at the teachings of uh, sharia you can modify these things but it it is essential for our children also that is one of the main reasons that these children become target of these people the criminals wow so, so if you look at an Islamic country, and I know you spoke about Saudi Arabia and how they have certain rules and regulations in place to avoid certain things like this to happen, but you have a country like Pakistan. Um, India is not a Muslim country by any means, but India has a huge rape problem. But if you just look at Pakistan and recently what's happened, just the other day when he was raped and he was killed, then when we spoke about it, when we initially spoke about it, our sister who was traveling on the Lahore-Sialford Highway, she was raped in front of her children and then the little girl, she was raped. Um, so in a Muslim country like that, where there's Islamic ideology, why does it keep happening? You know, I don't know why you, what do you mean by Islamic ideology? Of course, Pakistan was made uh, on the name of Islam, but the only thing which was not practiced for 72 years is Islam. <laughs> and the Islam which is being practiced over there is, uh, uh, what we have seen is uh, nothing but uh, you are kafir, he is kafir, you cannot pray behind this, you cannot pray behind this, and uh, uh, everything in deen is ibadat and nothing else. You know, w w where is Islam? 
I, I don't I, I don't see it. And uh, yes, it was made on the name of Islam, but uh, there is nothing Islamic which is being done in in Pakistan. And uh, of course, uh, the neighboring country you talked about, India, the level of uh, uh, the crime over there and rapes is even more more than Pakistan. The problem in India is also the same same problem we are having. We lived with them, you know. And uh, we have made so many things which are serious for our children to be educated with a part of haya, you know, part of Sharam. Oh, I cannot talk to my son like that. You know, I, I shouldn't. Oh, no, these children, they, uh, they understand. Now they understand everything from, uh, you know, from uh, media, social media. Everything is in their hand now. So it, at least now start doing it. No, but there's... There's nothing like that, neither in India nor in Pakistan. That's the problem. Uh, and it's not in Saudi Arabia also. Honestly, it's not over there also. But the level of haya and sharam or uh, same in our country is much higher than, you know, it, it's, it seems to be, you know. Yeah. In, in reality, uh, maybe, maybe uh, you know, I differ with those who think that there is. That is not, I don't consider it haya or, or uh, shame. Over there, people are a little bit more open, you know, children are more open, you know, and uh, the things uh, in our country, uh, not, not now, I'm talking about back, uh, you know, uh, 90s and uh, 80s, uh, we would learn in our uh, 15 or above children, eight, eight years old children now, they, they know these things. There's a big difference, you know, I mean education. I mean, I feel there's a disconnect between where people can access this material over social media and at the same time, they don't have the human element of maybe their teacher, father, or somebody teaching them what is right and wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. But, uh, uh, you know, honestly, these things happen by most of the relatives. You know, you see rapes yeah. and all these things because gee, these people have access you know, there is something called incest. You know, it's and it's not uh, uh, it's not uh, only in um, in Europe. It is very common in uh, your uh, Western countries. It's very common. You know what is incest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and Muslims are not uh, exempt from that. Also, you know, it is happening. You know, mamu, you know, uncle, uh, father, mother, and son, and all these things are taking place in our society also because nobody is educating children. You know, the the psychologist, uh, you know, when these children are uh, uh, are, are um, targeted by these uh, criminals, these become, these children, they need uh, psychologists after that, you know that. And they don't even get that. Yeah, they don't even get that because uh, some over there, you they can't get it, and here they have access to that, and a lot of people are still here. They, they have the same problems. Okay. Um, yeah. So, what can we do as a as a community? As you're you're in Alhamdulillah leadership, you're in a leadership role. So, what can we do as a, you know leaders, or what can we do as communities to help provide services? What kind of services? Do you provide? You know what what I recommend my um, you know uh, um, my students. For instance, when I see these, like uh, I was listening to your uh, talk uh, conversation with uh, Juganda last week, you know, yeah. when I told you guys, you know, young children they leave this place, you know. Yeah. You you remember that? Yeah. 
I I have seen you know children when they when I think that you know like uh, I, nowadays in in fourth grade for ninth seven eight you you need to start from that time little bit of uh, information about that when they are eight nine years old mm -hmm. you know and when they reach little bit uh, you know like uh, 10 11 uh, what I do is you know I tell some of the young you know who are very close to their age you know and, and they are also monitored that they start talking to children you know see what they are doing what they are thinking what is uh, the pressure what uh, how they uh, how they look at these things and for girls uh, i i uh, i i get uh, girl teachers who are familiar with these rules and regulations of uh, the dean and uh, and and they can uh, listen to their questions and talk to them and educate them and uh, tell them what what they need to do and what they when people are talking to them in a different manner and what it means and all these things this is what i do you know and it it needs to be done in in a more wide base you know uh, in all the islamic um, uh, institutes and all that you know that's what i think you know at least uh, we can we can educate our children um, so, so it's, is there, because I know I haven't seen it yet, and I hope to see that why has there been some sort of curriculum built yet for sexual education for our kids in America, from an Islamic perspective? Yeah, I think, I think you are right. We, some of us have to uh, take this step forward and work on it. And uh, let's see, inshallah. Inshallah. Because, um, like one of the things about it, like you mentioned, uh, where children, they get raped by uncles or aunts, and different things like this. And, you know, I know from our culture, it's, it's even hard to approach your parents and tell them that my uncle or my aunt did something to me. Um, so do we, do we open up those doors where the children can communicate openly without fear that if something did happen to them, yeah, this did happen? Before uh, you know, it, it's uh, you are coming broke. I I, I don't know okay. part of your uh, your question, but before you know, it it takes place. You know, our children they need to understand. You know, even if it is your father, and even if she is your daughter, there is some barrier between you and her. We have to understand this. The Sharia requires that even father and daughter, real daughter, they should not be alone also. You know, these are the teachings of Islam. Why is that? You know, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to close all the doors of evil. And uh, what is better that we tell our daughter that your uncle is uncle, you know, but he is still a man, you know? What is better, this or, you know, let her uh, listen to her uncle and trust him just like, you know, anything. And um, later on, you start beating the bushes. No? That's how I look at it. You need to take a bold step. You need to tell them. You need to talk to them. You need to give them the details. You need to tell them what can be expected and what can happen and how they can protect themselves. It has to be the initiatives have initiative have to be have to take place. Yes. Um. So as we were talking, like many countries or many societies, where when events like this happen, they don't even take them seriously. 
what what should we be doing? Like, I know a lot of people they want to take out marches and stuff like that. But is education the key, or do marches need to happen? What is more important? No, what 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 marches are going to do? Marches are there because government is not uh, taking serious steps. But government is not taking serious steps because there are no enough rules and regulations and people escape and there are ways, loopholes in, in the laws and people can escape from it. That is the problem. So we, they need to make, make some, uh, you know, some, some rules and regulations which are really very hard. And if you, you know, there is, uh, there are hudud and there are tazir, you know, which is in the hand of authorities. You know, if he thinks that, if, if the authority thinks that uh, this uh, this uh, uh, problem is prevailing in the society very much, and we have to be, we have to bring severe punishments for this in order to, uh, in order for people to understand that you know they are not going to escape. There is nothing wrong with it. They need to, they need to do these things. You know, and uh, uh, Sharia gives them, uh, gives them a right to do that. They need to get all the scholars together and see how we can uh, make these uh, punishments more severe, which will stop people and prevent people, prevent you know their targets from uh, being targeted for these crimes. I see. I'm sorry. I had some. I had some difficulties. I got kicked off. You have what? I said I had some difficulties. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> but I kept on talking. I think you, you, you heard me, right? Yeah, yeah, I heard you. Yeah. So, so what's what it? I think, yeah. Go ahead. This is what I think, you know. That there's nothing, you know, uh, we need to you know, hide it, hide this from our children, you know, we should not tell them, and this is shame for me that I can talk to my children. No, that's not the way. If, if you cannot, you know, there has to be somebody who needs to educate your children, definitely. Otherwise, these things will keep on happening, and punishments have to be more severe in these uh, cases, so people can go near that, you know. Don't even go closer to it. Make it so yeah. different. You know, so, I mean, in, some country, you know, in, in some countries, when the corruption was went went very high, what they did, they started hanging people for corruption. And it stopped. And in history also, you see sometimes, uh, you know, some of the rulers and some of the kings, they made some severe punishments for some uh, some crimes because it was you know in, in in every society everywhere it was prevailing so there are there are ways of stopping things but you have to be serious about these things okay. um, so Sheikh, do you have any more words or any more advice for us if every one of us start you know, we 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 want correction, and we want no corruption, but corruption, correction. But correction has to start from you. You know, and the Sharia does not work like that. I talk about my ruler, 
you know, our prime ministers and our uh, elite society and uh, those who are ruling us, they are nothing but representative of us. And if we start working on ourselves, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has required from us, عَلَيْكُمْ أَنفُسَكُمْ لَا يَضُرُّكُمْ مَنْ ضَلَّ if you start, I start correcting myself, you start correcting yourself, my friend starts correcting himself, you know, other person is start starts correcting himself, the whole society is going to be corrected. It's not going to work the, uh, the opposite way. That, uh, you know, I want correction, but I want you to start it, not me. That is the main problem. May Allah give us tawfiq. Jazakallah khair for your time, Sheikh. Um, I really want you to come back on again so we can talk about some other topics as well. Um, um, it's really important that we have good scholarship and we have good scholars who can address us about these topics. And I really appreciate your time, Sheikh Zayed Sam. May Allah keep us on the right path, give us tawfiq to do the best and make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala happy with us and give us a class. Jazakallah khair. My advice and uh, let people benefit from it. Jazakallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair, Shaykh. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum